Hey guys, this is Stacy from Must Do Disney and VO Buzz Weekly. You are listening to Stories of the Magic and it is awesome. Don't miss it. Welcome to Stories of the Magic, an unofficial Disney podcast with your host, Randy Crane. Hear stories from Disney cast members, Imagineers, artists, and more right here on Stories of the Magic. And now, here's your host, Randy Crane. Welcome to Episode 77 of Stories of the Magic. I'm Randy, your host. Thank you for joining me. In this episode, we begin our three-part interview with Bill Rogers and Camille Dixon, the official voices of Disneyland and Disney California Adventure, respectively. As with the last interview, this one was conducted in person, but at their home, not the Club 1901 Lounge. As you'll hear, we had a great time talking, and I'm sure you'll feel the same way listening. And before I go on, I have to thank Stacy J. Aswad for helping me to set this up. Now, one more thing before we continue. Krista Joy and the Disney Parks Podcast are hosting a very special event coming soon. On Monday, February 9th, 2015, you can have lunch with Mark Silverman, voice of the Twilight Zone Tower of Terror at the Carthay Circle Restaurant on his birthday. This is an exclusive event, so to get more details, reserve your seat, order an autographed photo, and win a chance to have Mark record the voicemail greeting on your cell phone, go to storiesofthemagic.com slash mark15. That's storiesofthemagic.com slash mark, M-A-R-K, 15. Now, in this episode, Bill and Camille talk about how they got started in voiceover and announcing, their extensive histories in radio, a fun story that Bill learned at the Walt Disney Family Museum recently, what people learn by being Disney fans, how Bill became the voice of Disneyland, including why Jack Wagner was his hero, how Camille became the voice of DCA, why doing the voices of the parks can be so much pressure and at the same time so exciting. A wonderfully entertaining story about Bill and Art Linkletter. The names of their characters when they're doing their in-park announces. What they love most about what they do. Taking their two-and-a-half-year-old granddaughter to Disneyland for the first time. Announcing special events. A completely unplanned announce that was one of the most fun Bill has ever done doing volunteer announces for philanthropic organizations, and Camille getting to do the announcing for the Lone Ranger movie premiere. Now, a brief word from a fellow podcaster and friend, and then it's time to turn the page and begin this story. Have you ever wanted to share something with someone just because? Well, we do a lot. So we started a podcast about well, whatever we want. My name is Joyce. And I'm her lovely husband, Al. Uh, well, you know what I mean. Hey, it's me, Al. Listen, I'm hijacking the Just Because podcast to start a new series all about the wonderful world of voice acting. Each episode, I'll have a professional voice actor on and ask them some serious, hard-hitting questions to get to the bottom of this in a world you know, world. If you've ever wanted to know about the inner workings of this magical and mystical business, tune into Just Because Inside the VoiceOver Studio. Tune in at JustBecausePodcast.com and on iTunes. And now, this week's interview on Stories of the Magic. To me, some of the most memorable, the most meaningful and enjoyable sounds at any Disney park are those of the official voices of the parks. They welcome you in the morning, bid you a bittersweet farewell at the end of the day, tell you when a parade is coming, and much more. Because of how special they are to me, I'm very pleased and honored to be able to introduce you today to the official voice of Disneyland, Bill Rogers, and the official voice of Disney California Adventure, Camille Dixon. Oh, and they also happen to be married. To give you just a bit of background on both of them, Bill has been a voiceover and commercial producer for over 40 years. He's the voice of over 50 retail accounts in Southern California, from performing arts centers to electronics manufacturers, and his announcing skills show up at amusement parks and theme parks around the world. He's been the voice of Disneyland since 1991. Camille is both heard and seen in Los Angeles on KOCE-TV. 
For travelers in Alaska, Florida, Los Angeles, the Metroplex of Texas, North Carolina, Virginia, and Wisconsin, her voice is the steady guide through the road construction and traffic on the 511 information system. But don't blame the messenger for traffic snarls. She also has extensive experience in retail and industrial areas, and even on radio. She's been the official voice of Disney California Adventure since 2011. Bill and Camille, welcome to Stories of the Magic. Well, thank, thank you. you. We're happy to be here. Definitely. Thank you. So I know everyone asks this question, but it always seems like a good place to get started. How did you get started as a voice actor, announcer, etc.? That kind of that business. There is a one-word answer for both of us, and that answer is radio. Right. Isn't that lovely how we fact, do that? Yes. <laughs> in fact, classical music radio for, yes. for both of us. Um, really? I worked for KRIC FM in Rexburg, Idaho. And for one year when I was in college and then at KBYU FM in Provo, Utah. And he worked for KUSC as a teenager. He did fill-ins in the summertime um, when he was 15 and 16. Classical music, 91.5 KUSC Los Angeles. That's right. <laughs> nice. <laughs> then, then he, you know, he went in the downward spiral and uh, went into rock and roll radio. <laughs> I, however, remained classy. <laughs> Kept it classy with public broadcasting. Yes, you should. <laughs> as we know. <laughs> That's right, for about 10 years, and then made the switch from there to voiceover. Okay, so when you started in radio, did you actually start as like, host, on DJ, air announcer, on-air? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. In my particular case, uh, it was summer fill-in. KUSC was staffed in those days almost entirely with students, mm -hmm. uh, unlike today, where it's all professional announcers, including one of my favorite of all time, Rich Caparella. Hmm. Um, and... It's, you know, in, in the summertime, it was it was very easy to, you know, just kind of wander in and, and do whatever. Um, in those days, it was a, we had a 3,000-watt transmitter that was made by Western Electric, and it showed up uh, at the, for the very first time in, um, at the World's Fair in 1938 as the state of the art at the time. <laughs> It was funny because I, I worked at the radio. I worked at radio stations that had both the AM and the FM transmitter from that World's Fair. A, a rock and roll radio station in Chattanooga, Tennessee, had the AM transmitter. It had previously belonged to uh, WTOP in Washington D.C., which is the big fifty thousand watt news voice there and has been for years. Hmm. Uh, at one time, it was owned by CBS. the The interesting part of it, it was the AM transmitter went from the World's Fair directly to uh, WTOP, and the FM transmitter went directly to storage. <laughs> and wasn't used because in, in 1938, the FM band, like you need to know all of this, but the FM band was entirely different. These days it goes from 88 to 108. Mm -hmm. In those days it went from 44 to 71, I think. Wow. Yeah. So, you know... And then the FCC moved it because they they and and it was also at the same time they got rid of Channel One on TV. Uh -huh. So there was this this complete reallocation, and to to make this thing work, they had to completely redo it because it wasn't set up to broadcast at the higher frequencies. And so when they finally mm -hmm. did, they figured they'd make a big deal presentation to the University of Southern California. They gave them the transmitter, but uh, that was also the year of the Watts riots. 1965, uh -huh. and uh, we had explicit instructions on how to disable the transmitter and and get out of the building, the, the student union in those days. Mm -hmm. So, you know, there were fears that there would be takeover, and, and we were to listen to, in those days, the, the rock and roll giant KRLA, because they had the best news on the planet. This was before KFWB was news. Right. So KRLA had the best news department. And so we listened to them, and when they, when they were, we were told to, to listen, and when the hostilities moved past Flower Street, <laughs> we were to disable the transmitter and get out. Never happened. Uh -huh. It was no big deal. So, but it was, <laughs> it was a whole lot of fun. And, you know, I was basically brought in because I was free, and because, <laughs> and because I could pronounce all the names, the, all of the classical uh, composers' names, and most of the artists as well. Okay. This one's the one. She's, she's incredible at all of those. 
to this day, I get corrected on things that I've been making mistakes on for 50 years. <laughs> That's my, my nagging prerogative, right? That's right. But, yeah. Hey, I'll take it any day of the week, my love. There you go. Well, I, I was a music major in college in studying singing, and I really was not very good. And so when one of my professors announced in class that he was looking for someone to write, host, and produce a classical music children's program... I auditioned for it and got the job, and it was a lovely way to gracefully exit out of music into something that still allowed me to rely on my love of music, uh -huh. um, but I, I could be involved in something that was still pretty cool, even though I had to admit that I wasn't good enough to make it as a singer. So, um, yeah, that I just I only did that for a year. Um, in college in Idaho, I got married. We moved away. I thought that, well, that was a lot of fun, and I'll probably never do that again. Um, fast forward a few <laughs> years later, um, decided to get back into studying music, but music composition. And at that time, I had two kids, and my husband, who at the time, was in the National Guard, and he needed to go to interrogator school for three months. And so the Army has a way of losing you when you move to different places, and uh, we didn't have any paychecks coming in. We would eventually, down the road, the money would start coming in, but um, I needed a job, and I was, so, you know, two little kids going to school, husband's gone temporarily, and there's no money. So I went to the campus employment office looking for anything. You know, I would have scrubbed floors, worked in the cafeteria, whatever. Right. And there was an opening at KBYU-FM, and so I auditioned for that and got it, and um, never finished college. Just, you know, <laughs> broadcasting and voiceover went on from there. So it's been a, a lovely ride. Wow. So did either of you end up at any point with any kind of degree or formal training in? No. You, it's all just been self-taught? Yes. Now, experience. we have studied from time to time. Yes, uh -huh. we, and we continue to study with a voice coach here in Los Angeles, Maurice Tobias, who's absolutely just amazing. She's incredible. Um, we love her. And, um, you know, we, and we've taken some, some workshops over the years and things like yeah. that, but mm -hmm. no, no formal training as in no, no degrees in no broadcast degree. journalism or anything like that. Or... No degree, no polo ponies. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, I will, I, I will tell you something I just discovered this weekend. Okay. Uh, we, I don't remember the date that we were there. We were there last, it wasn't this weekend. It was last week. But we went uh, we went to the Disney Family Museum mm -hmm. to see the new exhibit on Walt's trains. Uh -huh. Now, I I knew a little bit about the Carrollwood Pacific and and all of its offshoots and and, and that. Right. But we were also because I had a little something extra to do, which was a whole lot of fun. Uh, right at the beginning of the exhibit, I got to do the announce saying it's open, and uh, and and the next day they took me through the Disney Family Museum. And I didn't know, I, I never knew to this point that, that Walt had been a polo player. Mm -hmm. Now, that suddenly opened up my brain, which makes weird connections. <laughs> but the Warner Brothers cartoons with, uh, with Porky Pig, there was a Porky Pig cartoon that actually made fun of the fact that someone didn't have any polo ponies. And I can't help but believe that was somebody over at the Warner Warner lot poking fun at the folks at Disney. What no polo ponies? <laughs> <laughs> I think you might be right. I think so. So that you know, interesting that, to track it down. It'd be yeah. it'd be fun to do that, but I'm sure all of those those documents were destroyed a long time ago. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. But it it's 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 funny the way things seem to to happen. There's a certain synergy to all of it, if you'll excuse the the Disney term. Uh, <laughs> the, the way the way that we have. Uh, we've gotten to where we are now is simply because we we try to be real true disney nerds mm -hmm. uh but there's so much to know that you can never fully uh, acquit yourself <laughs> yeah randy maybe maybe present company accepted but nonetheless <laughs> no I, I agree <laughs> you know and it's just it really is it's it's a fun way to to figure out history on top of everything else mm -hmm. and figure out if you're if you're a disney fan you suddenly know a whole lot more than the average person about economics because Walt was first foremost and always a businessman. Mm -hmm. You know a whole lot about entertainment and and giving people what they want 
even if they don't know that they want it yet. Right. And on top of that, uh, you know, the marketing, uh, you go back and you think about all of the things that Jack Lindquist and, and, and Walt managed to do with the park mm. over the years. It was spectacular. Yeah. Absolutely spectacular. And then on top of that, you learn humanity more than anything else. You learn that when you give people uh, a reason to believe in something that's just pure magic, you can you can have you can have the world. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Um, <laughs> in, in a previous episode, Jim Corcus told me a story about Walt and uh, Reverend Billy Graham walking through the park one day. They were on Main Street, and uh, Reverend Graham said, "You know, Walt, it's." It's a great fantasy that you've built here. This is just wonderful. And he really probably thought that, well, I was going to say, well, thank you very much, Reverend Graham. I appreciate that. He actually got a little upset. And he said, no, you don't understand. This is not the fantasy. This is the reality. This is the way people are supposed to be. This is the way that we are meant to be. It's all the stuff out there that's wrong. This is the way people are supposed to be. This is the reality. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. And I'm sure that the Reverend Graham had stopped, stood stood there for a minute, went, holy cow, he's right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, that's amazing. Wow. That's yeah. cool. Yeah. Yeah, I've never heard Yay that. Yay, Walt. Yay, Walt. <laughs> Absolutely. Wow. <laughs> and since we're talking about Walt in the parks now, if we can jump ahead here, how did you get from your radio and various things you were doing into actually becoming the voices of Disneyland and I'm just going to abbreviate DCA. You, know, you can yeah, say the whole absolutely. thing if you want nope, to. But... Nope, nope. It's DCA nope, at our house. Okay, We've already no, taught just, our granddaughter that exactly. it's DCA. Yes. You, don't, you don't even bother. <laughs> it's too long to say unless you're doing the end of a, you know. A, 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 That's right. Unless it's official business. Unless it's official business, it's DCA. Okay, go ahead. Okay, so we're right. happy. Uh, start with you. Yeah, we'll start with me because it works better from the storytelling progression part. In, uh, I, I moved here from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania in the, in the late 80s, or in the mid-80s, actually. And uh, one of my very first clients um, was a, a production firm in Garden Grove, California, on Knott Avenue. Uh, funny that it was not, but that's got <laughs> not anything to do with it. Right. Uh, but the, it was owned by a husband and wife, and uh, they were lovely people and I really enjoyed doing a lot of different things for them over the years and I won't bore you with the with the laundry list but needless to say uh, things did not go as well business or uh, personally as it did business wise and when when they decided they were going to split the sheets um, the lady told me she said you know things are going to be different fairly soon but I want you to know that one of these days I will be able to do, I, I hope I'll be able to do something as nice for you as you have done for us. I said, well, it's very nice. Uh, not thinking that that, you know, I mean, people say a lot of stuff. Right. She called me. This was um, 88 or 89. She called me two years later. She had, had broken up with her husband and had married another fellow who was also in the video business. And they had just taken on a partner and would I come over and see all the fancy new stuff that the partner had? Um, and it was all all this brand new digital equipment that was very cool. And I and she said, you know, I know that you do almost all of your own production. And I had studio in the house and the whole bit. Mm -hmm. But I want you to see this just in case. Came over, took the tour, um, sat down and chatted for a few minutes with, with the guy who was the, the, the new partner. His name was Paul Freeman, and Paul said to me, he says, I understand you know Jack Wagner. And I said, no, sir, I don't. I have never met the man, but he is my hero. What do you mean? He manages to do something that I've, I've never seen before in my life. He comes up with a humanity. Uh, he's, he's a grandfather. He's a ringmaster. And on top of everything else, he's an authoritarian. And I don't know how he does it, but I listen to him constantly in hopes that I can figure that out. He says... Well, I'd, I'd like you to read this and just see what happens. And he hands me the lights out speech for the Main Street Electrical Parade. You know, in just five minutes, the lights will dim in Disneyland so that you can fully enjoy the spectacle that is the Main Street Electrical Parade. Please don't move from where you are. 
because until the lights were turned to normal, because we don't want you tripping and falling over the mouse. Um, <laughs> I went in, I read it the first time. He said, okay, that, that's good. Do it this way. And I said, fine. I did it. He says, he hit the talk back switch and he says, come on out. Okay. He says, you got to know that I don't make the final decision. But by Thursday, you'll know you're the new voice of Disneyland. <laughs> Excuse me? <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> in, in all fairness, I had applied for the job uh, to Conwell Worthington several several years before because I, I knew that Jack was in the process of retiring. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I thought maybe I could do some backup work or something like that and had gotten absolutely nowhere. Uh, but... That was the time Jack was officially retiring. They were going to need a new voice. Great. And I walked out about four feet off the floor. <laughs> Literally. Had sure. to duck to get out the door. Right. And and my friend Denise was sitting out in the front. And she says, well? <laughs> and she goes, well, you deserve it. And I went, how, do I, how do I deserve something like that? So that's that's as as close to a story as I can get to it, and and over the years things have just progressed quite naturally. When DCA was first made, um, the decision was made that they wanted it to be separate from Disneyland. Right. And so the idea was, whereas there was a, a guy over at Disneyland telling people where to go, what to do, and how to do it, mm -hmm. uh, they ought to have a girl over at DCA, and the girl was a friend of. A lady by the name of Debbie Gratton. And um, Debbie came in and dutifully did all of the, the things for Magic Music Days and all of, the, all of the things that I do for Disneyland, she did for DCA. Mm -hmm. And as time went on, uh, it went on to another, another girl. And then finally, the, the, the guys in the Ivory Tower said, you know, we really want DCA to be more like Disney. It's got to have that Disney touch. Bill. Get over here. <laughs> so for five years, I did both parks, <laughs> you know, and at the end of those five years, there was, uh, there was this resurgence. I, I knew I, I watched the, I watched the stone towers go up, you know, I watched all of these things happening and about a week, Disney, Disney has a wonderful way of waiting for everything with me. In other words, I, I, try to find out through the grapevine what's going on so I can be semi-prepared right. when somebody calls at the last minute. <laughs> and, the, you know, God love them. They've got so much to do that it doesn't surprise me. They know I'm always around, and, they, you know, why bother? Mm -hmm. um, so she and I are, are driving down from Salt Lake to Los Angeles. And uh, I had had the opening of Buena Vista and Cars Land on my calendar. Mm-hmm. And the call comes from a friend of mine at Special Events, and he says, Hey, you know, this is coming up. And I said, Yeah, I got it on the calendar. Mm -hmm. He goes, um, What's Cammy doing? <laughs> so in one phone call, he was not only replaced, but he's now my assistant. <laughs> so, and I had, you know, they knew who I was, obviously, because we were married, but um, I had done a couple of other small things. The first one was... Um, announcements for the wine and food festival that they had for a couple of years at DCA. Mm -hmm. um, so working with Bill on that. And um, I was, even before that, was the backup announcer for the Hollywood Backlot. So there were two announcements a year you know, for that <laughs> right. when that person went on vacation. Um, and then uh, the voice of the siren in Electronica mm -hmm. at DCA. So so obviously they knew who I was. And so I did get the chance to audition for a, a couple of things when that was, that was just unbelievable when I got the chance to, to do all of that. So in the space of about a week, I re-recorded the catalog for DCA, which is about 200 announcements for wow. every, every parade, every show, all of the it's you called know, trial by fire. Yeah. And, <laughs> right. and the, you know, the, the rope drop and the, park closing announcements, and then the contingency announcements and things like that. And obviously, they don't use all of them at this point. They mm. 
even for some of the shows and things. They have me sort of in the the back pocket, but right now, you know, for um, the uh, Silly Symphony water show, you know, that's, there is an announcement from me, but it works so much better to have a character, which in this case is played by Corey Burton, you know, doing his Hans Conried voice, which is just magical. Right. You know, so there are things like that where it makes more sense for a character to make make some of those announcements. But um, yeah, but they are but they are in there. And that was quite an experience and a great practice session for me the week before all of this stuff opens up. And so my first official event was opening Cars Land and then the next day Buena Vista Street. And that was just a, an incredible experience. It was so much fun to watch her work because all of those things, you know, I'd, I'd been through all of this mm -hmm. and there's no way you can tell anybody what that, that mixture of anticipation, butterflies and, and just out and out dread is, <laughs> you know, because. Well, it, everybody else is doing such amazing things, yeah. you know, at the parks, they do such a good job of rehearsing you know, they'll start rehearsing at 11 or 12 at night and go as long as they need to throughout the night after guests have gone so that mm. they can get the show right for the next day. And it's that's something that I have admired so much. And, and I've been able to be there when he's done rehearsals. So I'm watching everyone else get ready for the Cars press event. You've got the singers and dancers and band members and you know, everybody is doing such a beautiful job and you don't want to be the one who lets down the entire group because you can't get your little piece together. Right. And so, yeah, that was, it's that a was a, a great experience. In some ways, it's a lot of pressure that, that, that you think to yourself, boy, am I going to make it through this or not? Uh. <laughs> you know? And and in a lot of ways, it's, uh, there is this feeling of, this is so cool. Oh, you know? <laughs> that, that's, I mean, that's, that's over the top of over everything. Over the top of everything. Mm -hmm. yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, I will relate one incident during the 50th. Um, I'm backstage. Actually, we're in, we're in the castle forecourt at Disneyland. Okay. And there is a special place that they've actually set up off to the side, is using it as a green room. And sitting in the green room, are uh, Julie Andrews and Art Linkletter. And I walked past Mr. Linkletter and, and looked at him, and, and, and uh, he looked back at me and he said, how is it that I know you? <laughs> <laughs> and I said, well, uh, quite, quite frankly, it was about uh, five or six years ago that we met in the parking lot at Wally Park <laughs> outside of LAX, and you spent about 15 minutes lecturing me on planning a vacation. He goes, that's right, you were going to Hawaii. And he goes on with all of the details of what it was. And he just, and he started in all over again. And, I, and he said, well, did you, know, did you ever do any planning? I said, no, sir, we didn't. And we had a ball. <laughs> and, I, and I said, but quite frankly, it was such an honor to sit there and and learn from you uh, you know and, and his favorite anecdote in those days and i think until the day he died was uh i used to tell the kids and, and kids say the darndest things do you know how you got here <laughs> how you got picked for this how show. you how you got picked for this show why are you here because i wrote to your teacher and asked for the five kids that wanted that she wanted to be out of the classroom for a day <laughs> He didn't and, tell them that when they were children. No. Later as adults. Later as adults. You know, when would, someone yeah, would say, like, oh, I don't, you wouldn't remember me, but I was on your show. And, and you know, that was such a great experience and what a great honor and, just, and all yeah, of that. The reason you got there was because your teacher didn't want to see you for a whole day. <laughs> <laughs> but I thought that was cute. Yeah. That is cute. But, you know, Art Linkletter was one of those people that, that always had something wonderful to say. You may not have always agreed with what he was going to say, but it was always something else. And and I will never forget that Julie Andrews was sitting literally right next to him while we were having this conversation. She goes, oh, that sounded like so much fun just going to Hawaii with no plans. And, he's, and Art just kind of went. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, again, it was it was just such fun. and 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 every time. You know, the 50th was one of those things that really was just crazy. Mm. We did something every week. 
for 52 weeks. And it was just, and I, I did more live announces that one year than I've done in the, in the other 22 that I've been the voice of Disneyland, <laughs> you know, and it was, it was crazy, but it was just magical. Oh, I bet. So much fun. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah, that's when you start going every every week. You get a chance to go. This is so cool. <laughs> you know. So. Now, when you took over as the new voice of Disneyland mm -hmm. from Jack Wagner, did you have to go back and re-record all of his stuff, or did they just kind of phase your recordings in? The interesting part of it was I got phased in okay. because they wanted they wanted Jack, uh -huh. and I to this day, to this day, I fight for Jack to remain in the park. When they say, you know, we want you to record, you know, re-record the thing that Jack did, ladies and gentlemen, our national anthem. No, I'm sorry, I'm not saying it, because uh -huh. Jack already said it, and there's no reason to change it. Oh, well, excuse me. <laughs> <laughs> so there are things we hear, like there the, are things the flag, the flag retreat, retreat the yeah. flag retreat when it's just the security detail. Mm -hmm. uh, that's Jack. Okay. That's Jack. Of course, Jack, you hear Jack every day at the train station. You know, that's, there's no way that's ever going to get replaced. Right. You know, it was just magic when he cut it. He knew it. And it was, you know, it, it's become iconic. Mm -hmm. This is this is what it's all about. And it, and it exists, I think, in every Disney park where there's a train. I'm sure. It just wouldn't be right. Yeah. Any other way. Right. That's, so. you know, we're... At least I know it's in Tokyo, and I know it's in Hong Kong, and I'm pretty sure it's in Paris. Okay. So, and Jack, Jack, <laughs> he is, he was, in the first place, he spoke French like a native because he was a French native. I mean, he, is, mm. he was born to a French mother and, and, uh, and an, uh, I think an English father, but, you know, the, it was, he spoke French literally from the day he was born. And um, and his son Mike, uh, to this day, still does announces for Disneyland Paris. Wow, I had no idea. Yeah, because he speaks French as well as his dad. <laughs> so Camille, you mentioned having to re-record everything. Because obviously mm -hmm. they needed a uniform voice for that. Mm -hmm. Doing two hundred of them practically back to back. Did you when you finished? Did you go back to the first ones you had done and. I didn't because they were they were recorded by someone else. Okay. Um, you know, either they're live in person or over the ISDN line in our studio, and they're actually recorded at another facility over a high speed digital line. And so I I didn't do any of the editing or or any of that. It was that was entirely up to somebody else. But um, yeah, that it, it's funny because when I sit in on a session with Bill and he'll read 30 pages of announcements for Disney Performing Arts, mm -hmm. he sounds the same at the very end as he did at the very beginning. And, you know, we'll probably have a chance to, to talk about that. I know he's told the story before, mm -hmm. but about what the vision is in his head while he's reading 30 pages of announcements. Nice. And he's been a great example for me to learn from and to keep that consistency and make sure that every... Everyone is just right because everyone is a little piece of the magic that that people, you know, take into their souls, and it's a, just a, a little part of everything that everybody does when in any of the Disney parks that make it what it is. Mm -hmm. Yeah, as I figured, you might have been trying to kind of find your voice as you went yes, through that. Absolutely, the very first one that I ever did, one of the wine and food festival announcements it was the very first time that i had done a line that was written ladies and gentlemen boys and girls and i looked at it and i thought i can't say that that's not mine that's not my line to say it has to be the the disney voice it has to be the grandfather voice the the you know warm welcoming thing and i thought and i had some you know cast members directing me from entertainment and so i thought okay i'm just going to do it differently. I'm not going to try. I don't want them to think I'm just copying Bill. So I gave it some different kind of inflection and they said, um, could you do it the way Bill does? <laughs> okay. Now I know. And that, that gave me my, my clue that, you know, that it needs to have that same kind of style and pacing. And so I did and been doing it that way ever since. And he's a great coach too. In the very beginning, I was always coming to him saying, how would you do this? Mm. Why don't, not that I was exactly trying to copy him, but you want to be able to convey the warmth and the credibility at the same time. Right. And so his character 
he calls that the that voice that character is is jack it's not a it's not a mimic or an impression of jack wagner but he tries to infuse some of that warmth and that love and that credibility in there mm-hmm. the and jack was so incredible at yeah yeah and you know so and we tell people this all the time and anybody in voiceover will tell anyone else who wants to do it when you are doing kind of a character it needs to have a name and it needs to have a backstory. And and so for me, it's just mom, you know, it's not anyone in particular's mom, just it's mom. It's mom. Mm-hmm. That's good. Yeah. I remember watching you guys on VO Buzz Weekly mm-hmm. and talking about the character that you created for the yeah. voices. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And I hadn't quite come up with, with, you know, who it was that I was thinking of in my head when I was doing this, when we did that interview. So yeah, but it's mom. Okay. That's great. Now, this almost seems like a silly question after the way you described what you do, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Ask away. What do you love most about what you do? This is the perfect time to tell to tell the band mom story. Please do. Because what I do for this, uh, for the Walt Disney Company, can be summed up in one very short story. You can go to the park on any hot spring at late spring afternoon and you can see her sitting on the uh, on the curb on main street she's uh, she's got an i'm with the band sweatshirt on because it was chilly the morning she when she, she got these kids up at 4:30 in the morning to get them to disneyland right she's been pushing here and cajoling there and and doing all of the things that is required of a good chaperone when they are dealing with junior high, high school, or college age people. Uh, they, they just don't want to do all of the things that they knew that they were going to have to do when they got there, and they're figuring out ways to rebel. And so, you know, she's she's had it up to here, you know, and I I don't even need to tell you how far that is because you already know where that is. Uh, but the interesting part of it is she's exhausted and she's, she's hot and she doesn't want to tell anybody, but she's sweaty and you know, it's been a long day. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden that announce goes off. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, it's your kid marching down main street, USA. And it's she, She's standing straight up like somebody hit her with a cattle prod, and she is wiping a tear from her eye, and this is the moment that I work for every time. That's the one I want. I want to talk to the band moms of the world. And if I can do that, if I can bring that joy back to her, Mm -hmm. it's been worth it. It's totally been worth it, and it's what it's all about. Do you get to see that happen? I do every once in a while, yeah. I, I literally do go to the park on on late spring afternoons just just to watch the band moms and um it's pretty 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 darn exciting if you don't mind me saying so um yeah yeah (laughs) yeah it's that it's that look of joy and anticipation that's so it's so much fun when you hear and you hear the the audible oohs and ahs and the (gasps) you know that that delight when something is about to happen and you got to be the person who is telling these people that this is about to happen. And it's just a small part of what happens there in the parks. But but just to just to make sure that, you know, you're you're holding up your end of the bargain and you're doing your part to create the magic that people in the park as cast members are doing that actually is a lot of hard work. You know? Mm-hmm. And and this is the chance for us to to talk very briefly about taking our two and a half year old granddaughter to Disneyland for the first time. A couple of weeks ago, she knows all the characters. Normally, I wouldn't take a two-year-old, but she knows all the characters. She loves all of them. She's sat in on recording sessions with me before mm. and knows how to be quiet. And But she didn't really get exactly what it was I was doing or that Gramps is doing. Um, but we, we get to Disneyland, and um, she wants to meet the princesses. Merida is her favorite, of course. And we show up. There's no one in line for Merida. She's with a kid right now. And so, you know, silly me. I should have known they were just closing down so Merida could go take a break. Right. And uh, we walked up and found out that she was leaving soon and that they had closed the line. And so I'm explaining to this little two-year-old, Merida will be right back. She has some things she needs to go do. And this lovely 
Merida's helper <laughs> heard me and, and said, come here, come with me, and held out her hand. Granddaughter took her hand and starts walking with her. Our son-in-law was saying, boy, isn't it amazing? It's a good thing it was a Disney princess because we didn't exist there for, for the, a, a little bit of time. And he had the presence of mind to pull out his phone. He hit the video, followed Merida and our granddaughter all the way to the right to where her backstage door is and she was talking to her she bent down and said goodbye and waved to her and it was just this incredible moment she got this interaction with her that was so incredibly special she didn't do it for us she didn't know who we are it's not like i need to impress these people because you know or whatever it was right. just another little child who was there to experience the park and those kinds of things happened over and over and over again while she was there. Every interaction she had with every cast member was a little piece of magic. And I think these people have to work really hard to do, you know, they're tired, they're, it's hot, there are people all over the place. There's and those a lot costumes of pressure. are just about the, as uncomfortable the costumes as costumes have to be incredibly <laughs> yeah. uncomfortable. And, you know, again, just to be able to, to do my little tiny part to keep the thread going and to you know not create a hole in the in the whole fabric of the experience for guests it's a it's a pretty humbling experience and mm -hmm. also magical at the same time yeah you do all the regular official major announcements yes. but you also yes. announce special events mm -hmm. uh and a lot of times it's those special events that kind of help create that extra bit yes for people yes it is. so it is. do you have uh, aside from like the magic music days or the you know the, the band mom yeah, kind of thing, yeah. which happens on a regular basis, uh, are there any other kinds of special events or anything like that that you guys get to announce that you really enjoy? They don't happen very often. It makes them even more special because they when they do, it's it's really something. When Hispanic girls turn fifteen, they have uh, a thing called the quinceanera. Quinceanera, mm -hmm. yeah, and and some some of the kids are lucky enough to have that at the hotel, and I'm the one who gets to announce those things, oh. and I I've, I've never actually been to one, but I know the kind of pomp and circumstance that you know it's 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 a girl's coming out party on top of a fifteenth birthday, it's all kinds of things mixed into one, and those. Those kinds of things, and every once in a while, I've been able to to do a couple of announces for you know for weddings by Disney. You know that can we get Bill? Do they, ladies and gentlemen? May I present? Uh, yeah, love to. Those things don't happen very often, and when they do, I'm always uh, it involves some pride because I'm happy that this is something that they want you know to be part of their memories mm -hmm. and and they 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 really they gas me you know <laughs> for, for lack of a better word because i'm i'm just an old 60s kid but I, we we do we do uh special uh things quite a bit uh it's like this thing a couple of weeks ago at the disney family museum mm -hmm. never more proud to be a part of all of this and I have to tell you, there's a certain amount of, uh, oh, gee, this is, this is really cool, you know, because if I'm doing an announce, I usually get no farther than ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls before the oohs and ahs start. And, well, let's face it, just the all-out crazy applause. <laughs> Whoa, I can't believe that's him! <laughs> so, Which is really fun for me to watch, you know, because I'm, I'm a huge fan as well. So it's really fun for me to get to be in the audience and to, to hear that and to experience just, again, the joy that people feel because instantly it's like smelling chocolate chip cookies, you know, and you're, you're taken back to your grandma's kitchen mm -hmm. or, you know, to happy, good places. And when people hear that voice... For more than a generation now, that's the voice that has been the, the, the whole Disney experience wrapped up into, ten seconds. So it's yeah, a yeah. it's a it's a powerful thing. And I got to tell you, one of the one of the funnest announces I've ever done was completely and totally unplanned. I didn't I didn't even think about it. Um, last summer, one of our nieces 
was having her 16th birthday uh, at, during the first day they were at Disneyland, and the first day she'd ever been to Disneyland. And um, Cammie and I snuck a mm. cake in, and uh, without Bethany actually seeing all of the, what was going on, we were sitting in the Pizza Planet at a, at a table. Mm. In August. In August. And all of a sudden, it just hit me. And I stood up, and I went, Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. The room just went. <laughs> I said, Bethany is having her 16th birthday. I think we all ought to sing happy birthday to Bethany. The entire pizza planet, which was packed to the gills, happy birthday, and just and it just... And on the way out... They'd seen where I was standing, so they figured Bethany was there. Uh-huh. On the way out, at least a dozen people wished her, personally wished her, a happy birthday. It just blew her little mind. <laughs> and I thought it was about as much fun as I'd had in a long time. And so her younger sister, next year. <laughs> that's right. So that's been, that's been a fun yeah, It's been a whole lot of fun. I mean, you know... It's nice to be able to use celebrity for something that makes a difference. Mm -hmm. And that's for fun. I get a chance because of this. As we all know, uh, Disney cast members go everywhere. <laughs> you know, yeah. once, the, you know, Disney, being a Disney cast member is the greatest training, I think, on earth for anything retail, marketing, or public public event. Customer uh, you know, service. Customer I mean, service. The any, whole nine yards. Any I mean, area. If you whiz. worked for Disney, you have yeah. such incredible training to do anything you want to do. Yeah. Yeah. So, Disney, former Disney cast members call me a lot. You know, I do things for the Boys and Girls Clubs of, of all of Southern, all over Southern California mm -hmm. uh, because it's fun. And and people, people who are part of all of this understand that, you know, I'm here because... This is something that I believe in. Yeah. And when I can lend myself, and, and Cammy, Cammy feels the same way, when we can lend ourselves to a, a philanthropic project of any kind, it's like, oh, yeah, this is, this is where the fun is. This is the payoff. This really is the payoff because we have been, I know she feels the same way I do. We've been incredibly lucky. You know, you don't, things like this don't come along except every once in a blue moon. Mm -hmm. You know, and when they do, and you feel like you can contribute. It's a way that we can make even yeah. just a small contribution to an organization to maybe make their event or their video or whatever it is just, you yeah. know, as good as it can possibly be. And, you know, without them having to spend the money for that service, because all the money should be going into whatever it is that they're trying to do to help other people. So it's right. it's a wonderful and easy thing a, a great a, way for us to get back. involved. Yeah, yeah, and give back. Mm -hmm. yeah. Have, uh, Camille, have you had any things, like not necessarily announcing a birthday spontaneously in the middle of a restaurant, but... <laughs> <laughs> Although no. if you have one of those, that's fine. Tell that story. I, I <laughs> haven't, I haven't, but I did get to do the um, Lone Ranger premiere at DCA, which was a pretty awesome experience. I and mean, he's done so many of the movie premieres over over the years, some of them at... Disneyland and some of them at other places around the country. But I don't know to this day why Lone Ranger didn't do very well. I loved the movie. I thought it was incredible. And, you know, we read a review yeah. not too long after it came out where someone said, down the road, people are going to realize what, 10, 20 years what a great now, movie this was. Yeah, was so anyway, yeah. I say with a great deal of pride that I got to be there for the premiere at DCA. And they had the big steam engine there and, you know, getting to introduce that cast. I, I will never have an opportunity like that. At least I, I hope that I will someday. But how cool is that to get to introduce this cast and the director and all of that? That's just a, a surreal experience, you know, and, and I, I loved it. Loved it. And again, we had a rehearsal very, very early um, the day before mm -hmm. so that everybody could make sure that every piece was in place and that it was just right. And I'm always so impressed by that when cool. you when you do those early morning rehearsals do you do it in for lack of a better term full voice yes how do you do that yes. nobody else in the park well you well i'm just thinking like <laughs> yeah you, know, you kind of have to warm your 
your voice up. There's maybe she better does. I don't. Day. Yeah, you know what? I, <laughs> I only have to warm up my voice so that I don't sound. That brings us to the end of this week's show. A special thank you to Bill Rogers and Camille Dixon for being my guests, and to you for listening. If you're currently doing something because of your love for Disney, you've written a book, created a website, or you're blogging, writing or performing music or art, whatever it may be, and you want to tell people about it and why it matters to you, then I want to hear from you. I also want to talk to and hear from people who've worked for Disney. And if you're a Disney guest of any Disney experience and you've had an encounter or an interaction that made some extra Disney magic, or you've had any special Disney experience you want to share, I want to hear from you too. Maybe you have a special memory connected to hearing one of the voices of the parks while at Disneyland. For any of these, email me at podcast at storiesofthemagic.com or call the listener feedback line at 734-23-STORY and tell me about your experience. Subscribe to Stories of the Magic in iTunes, the Xbox Music Store, on the website, or you can hear Stories of the Magic while on the go with Stitcher Smart Radio. If you like the show, please rate and review Stories of the Magic in iTunes, Stitcher Radio, or wherever else you listen to the show and can rate it. I'd especially like to thank Colleen NJ on iTunes for the iTunes review that she left for me since the last time that I recorded an episode and got it posted. Thank you very much for the review. I really appreciate it. If you have any comments, questions, or suggestions, visit storiesofthemagic.com and leave a comment on the show notes for this or any episode. While you're there, check out the show notes for useful links from each episode, too. Like the podcast on Facebook at facebook.com slash storiesofthemagic. Follow the show on Twitter at twitter.com slash storiesofmagic and tweet out that you're listening. I'd like to welcome the new Facebook fans and Twitter followers that I've gotten recently. Welcome to you. I hope you're enjoying the show and the pages in the Twitter feed. Pin it on Pinterest, plus one on Google+. Tell your friends about the show. Keep letting others know that you're listening so they can join in the magic, too. Speaking of joining in on things, this weekend, January 16th through the 18th, I'll be at Disneyland for the Star Wars Half Marathon Weekend Races. So if you're around those days, send me an email, post on the podcast Facebook page, or call the listener feedback line and let me know. I would love to meet you. You can also follow along on social media, and I will try to post whenever I can, particularly on Facebook, so that you might have some idea where I am. But don't rely on that. I honestly don't know how how much I'm going to stay up to date and current on that. Thank you for joining me for this episode of Stories of the Magic. There will be other days and other stories, and this tale continues next time. You've been listening to Stories of the Magic with Randy Crane. If you have feedback, want to share a story of your own, or even be a guest on the show, write to Randy at podcast at storiesofthemagic.com or call our listener feedback line 734-23-STORY. And don't forget to visit the website storiesofthemagic.com for show notes from this and every episode and to leave your comments. Thank you so much for listening. And remember, live your dreams and make the magic in your world.